today's episode of Success Road Podcast, we're going to be talking with Lydia Lee. Lydia is the founder of Screw Cubicle, which is a movement to inspire people to break free from the shackles of conventional work. Now, Lydia works with talented professionals who want to repurpose their skills toward a more meaningful career, basically a career coach. And so as we look at the conversation today, we're going to see Lydia's story of becoming a business owner, as well as the common challenges for potential business owners. And then we're also going to see some common self-sabotaging habits that people have. And of course, more importantly, how you can be able to overcome those and be able to put set yourself up for success in a much better way. So let's dive into this conversation with Lydia Lee. I know that you left your career back in 2013 to be able to create your own business. Can you go back to that time and explain what it was that caused you to want to leave your career at that point? Yeah, you know. Maybe we need to go back earlier than that. Yeah, we do. (laughs) It wasn't, it definitely was not an overnight decision and and probably a few years coming, but it it wasn't a, uh, you know, I wish I could say it was this sort of magical moment, you know, that I woke up one day and just went, you know what? I, I would like to do something different with my life and courageously leapt towards it. <laughs> you know, that that's a nice story to tell, but it, it certainly didn't pan out that way in the beginning of time. Well, actually, my whole catalyst for change was kind of forced upon me in a lot of ways because I experienced a really bad health scare during a business trip in Russia. In the dead of winter in 2012, I was on, I used to be, so my the industry that I used uh, to work for is in the international education industry. And my, I was a business development director. So a, a big part of my job was to uh, travel six months out of the year, going into different places around the world to promote education in Canada. And so at that time, I was doing a sort of a circuit tour, a trade fair mission with the Embassy of Canada, and I was in Moscow (laughs) in winter. Uh, But this had been sort of probably the first month of travel of the year. And what happened there was that I had a panic attack in my hotel room, which actually I developed temporary agoraphobia and I couldn't leave this hotel room for two days. And it was quite a shock, as you can as you can imagine, just getting having to experience this alone <laughs> in a foreign country by myself. But what it was really is an accumulative effect of myself, and these were personal choices I made of not taking a holiday every single year. Like literally for two years at that point, I had gotten paid out for every vacation pay, and I did not take time off. And that was because I was in charge of a very big department and the pressure of maintaining my success and vying for a partnership at this organization (laughs) was what made me overwork. And obviously, as I said, it's a personal choice. But what was sort of interesting is that I'm quite a high achiever by nature. And also, I come from an immigrant family. You know, we moved to Canada when I was a very young age. And it was really instilled upon me that working hard and, and working twice as hard, actually, than other people will, will, get, will get me to where I need to go in the place that I'm in. And so my brain and, you know, the way that I felt, I never felt overworked in that sense. I felt exhausted, but it was sort of normalized that everyone else did this too. 
to get to this level of success. And my body had to give up. My physical body had to give up. And that was sort of the, okay, I'm going to put you down. If you're not going to take a break, I'm going to put you down. And that experience, feeling that way and having to deal with that in, in Russia did force me to take a small sabbatical and take time off in order to heal from that. But it was also that catalyst for change, as I said, to make me evaluate what I was actually doing in my life and how was I responsible for some of this stress and anxiety and insomnia that I was feeling all the time when I was working at that job. And, you know, as, as we all do, when we think we have a mental breakdown as we see a therapist and we think something's wrong with me, I must have some sort of, you know, depression or this and that. But luckily, you know, I, I worked with a good therapist that didn't shove a bunch of pills down my throat, you know, and really helped me to kind of uncover what was important to me. And what was I, what do I think I was doing at the moment in my life? And was it leading me to a life experience I wanted to have or that I didn't want to have? So it was, it was a huge moment for me to take stock and finally be present to issues that have been already happening around my career. Long story short, I had definitely thought that self-employment was something that I wanted to go into because I was sort of someone that was never really good in corporate. I was someone that needed more autonomy. Um, I did not like bureaucracy and politics. That's when the idea came to me that could I get this autonomy that I want and that time freedom that I really valued through working for myself. And so the first business that I actually created from that event was not Screw the Cubicle. It was actually a transition business. I worked in the same industry. All I did was sort of repackage myself as a consultant. And actually my company at the time became my first client. <laughs> and I was building a business in that industry. It was easy. It was what I called a low-hanging fruit transition business. And that was sort of what was replacing my income. And Screw the Cubicle was kind of a bit of an accident. It was a blog, a blog that I started when I was going through my own identity crisis of questioning whether making that move was the right move. And it was also sort of a resource and a place that I would send my mother and my friends and my colleagues that were asking, what the hell are you doing giving up a very secure job with great benefits and obviously this partnership and doing this thing that was so uncertain and unknown? Like, are you having a midlife crisis too early? You know? And so I started writing a lot about that journey and going, I don't even know what's around the corner, but this is what I'm experiencing and doing. And then that blog sort of took off and people started reading it. And it wasn't until I had an email that came from a lawyer in Toronto that was, uh, that was reading my blog and that said, my story is really similar to yours. I'm in mid-career, um, figuring out my crossroad. Do you coach people? At the time, I literally had to Google what a coach was <laughs> because it was so beyond what was on my resume. You know? And that sent me down the rabbit hole of research and understanding, did I want to be a coach? What does that look like? Is it like a therapist? Because I'm way too blunt to be a therapist. If I was to try this on for size, what would that look like for me? I did a lot of testing. I did a lot of actually free services to actually give myself what I call like the self-made internship to see if this new career, see if this new line of work would interest me. And well, you know, seven years later, this is my primary business and something that absolutely I enjoy. Yeah, and I I think if we just go back again to um to that point where you found yourself like completely burned out physically, emotionally, and probably every other possible way, I I can 
I mean, like, like that lawyer, it's like, I, I feel like, like that's where I am. And, and I, I can totally identify that probably everybody listening could probably identify that as well. Now I was personally not one to, um, sell any of my vacation. I made sure any vacation time I had, I made sure I took. You were smarter than me. Because I just, well, I, I, I did not like my job. Um, for one, <laughs> and it's like, I need to get away from this place. And, <laughs> and so, and usually it wasn't in like, uh, oh, let me take this, this grand vacation for two weeks. It was usually like, okay, I need a day off here and uh, take a long weekend there and things like that. It's Cause it's like, I need, I need these little breaks and I have all these other little things that they take care of. But anyway, even with taking my vacation and giving that time away, I still got myself burned out completely. Um, and, um, again, I, I was physically, I don't think I got necessarily to the physical spot that it sounds like you did. Um, but I do know that I mm. ate a lot, um, and I drank a lot of pop and all that just to kind of keep me going. Cause I was mm. like lack of sleep and, um, keep pushing. And so, and so I got myself into some different physical issues and things like that. And, and probably anybody listening can probably identify with, one of our situations are somewhere in between to where they're physically experiencing something in their job and maybe they don't know what is wrong exactly. They just know, okay, I don't feel right. There's something that's off. And so they're, they're like, okay, that's, and so they might be saying, okay, this is it. I, there's, there's something I need to do. I need to change in some fashion. But, uh, but yeah, so, so I, I think people are going to really identify with that. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, in all the events in our lives, if we if we were present to take notice of, of the clues, right, like that wasn't really the first time that I, I've had the feeling of anxiety and, and depression and exhaustion. It certainly was not the first time. This was the one that took me out physically that made me notice a bit more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that the, the clues have always been there. And I think at times it is hard for us to kind of listen to that because of the fact that like, like I thought at that time, well, everyone else feels this way. Everyone else that gets this kind of position, this is the cost of success. And that made me realize a lot about what I defined success about that, that acknowledgement, the power, the money, the, all the things, right. That you think you're vying for. It's almost like I climbed that corporate ladder and then that view wasn't what I was expecting. And that felt even worse because I had invested <laughs> so much time, right. And sleepless nights and my vacation days and so forth to get to that. And then I felt no happier. And all the things that I thought, I think money and, and autonomy would have, or, or power in that position would have bought me was, all the things that I actually wanted, which was simple things like spending time with my family, having time to travel, which was sort of one of my first loves. And I, I do owe it to that job that gave me the travel bug because it, it helped me to travel six months of the year on their expense. Right. And but I was working, you know, at those places. It wasn't a full vacation, but it gave me, you know, that recognition that travel and actually exploration of different cultures and being in unfamiliar places was actually something that really juiced me up. It's no surprise that the lifestyle choices I I have today and I've made today includes that because that's part of my ingredients, if you will, of what keeps me joyful and happy. And I think all of us have moments like that. And I think in a lot of ways, I mean, depending on when people listen to this podcast in the future, right? But at this moment, we're going through, we're going through something that has actually 
shaken up people's world in some point. And, and I, I, would, I would not want people to experience a debilitating health scare. But I think, you know, going through COVID and having that happened to us all globally right now has been sort of that, I call it kind of like a little glitch in the matrix where we're all of a sudden going, oh, you know, and people are starting to notice, right, that pause about us staying, staying more at home and, you know, being a bit more, okay, less hustly, right? Less going out there and distracting ourselves with doing more things and commuting and whatever it is that used to we used to spend a lot of time on it's given us that spaciousness whether it's time or headspace to kind of think a little bit of our lives and this might be the sort of that catalyst for change for some people now yeah yeah absolutely now now let's assume that the the we're talking to somebody now that they find themselves in this situation or something similar and they're wanting to uh create their own business whether whether they want it only to be on the side or they want to start on the side and or or, what, or however they want to do it, but they want to get their own gig going um obviously there's a lot of different scenarios and things like that but as you've worked with people i'm sure there are patterns that you've seen what would you say are some of the big things that trip people up as they try to get started with their own business mm, that's a great question because to be honest, usually people in a lot of ways, when they come to me, they have a pretty vague but detailed idea. Like, you know, it's vague in the sense of they don't know how how it could happen, you know, how to how to make it happen. But they do know what they want. You know, the minute they get tripped up is, well, what's that 10 step plan to get there? And the minute they start to think too much into the future the brain starts to imagine all sorts of consequences for making this decision. And a lot of those consequences, I think we all experience as humans because we do want to belong and we do want to be liked. And so sometimes when you switch career, when you've been in a career for 15, 20 years, and you've had an identity very tied to this title you call yourself, right? Whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, whatever it is. If you decide that that is no longer the line of work you want to get into or continue and that trajectory on and you are wanting to find something different to do, it's not just as easy as, oh, I'm just switching jobs or switching my career. It is a much bigger perceived consequence that we're also giving up things like respect, how people have respected us for having this type of role or giving up the sense of trust that my family might have with me because my job has provided security, right? And this environment for my family. So there's all these consequences that I think comes into people's minds. And, and that's a very inaugural first obstacle, right? Is that, that shift of identity, that embracing of this new identity and what that looks like and how do I not risk everything to pursue something different? I think the second obstacle is because we are very, very focused on all the things we've done to get to where we are. And especially for people who have, who have stayed in a particular career, like my resume wasn't like that. It looked like it was for five people. <laughs> you know, I was in like many industries. And I think that's because I'm a bit more of a portfolio career. You know, I liked variety. I liked startups. I liked new ideas. It didn't matter the industry, right? But for some people, they spend years in school and then they really work hard and in going from internship to right middle management to potentially somewhere quite high. And so that, that idea of sort of giving up that is, is quite hard, but also because they've been doing that type of work and in that industry for such a long time, it's really hard to imagine how else could I use these skills? You know, if I wasn't working in the hospital, if I wasn't working at the law office, 
what can I do with this? And that's hard for people to discern because we're the ones living our lives and having the experience. It's really hard to kind of step out of our bodies and observe. What do these skills mean? What are these tools? And how do I repurpose, right? These expertise, the knowledge I've gained, the experience I have into a new direction, because it's quite hard for our brains to kind of imagine um, something completely different from what we're familiar with. You know, what's familiar is quite safe. Even if we're unhappy, it's still safe. And indecision is also safe because you don't have, you know, there's no consequence to that. But I also say indecision is, is still a decision. Yeah, no immediate consequence. No immediate consequence. Least. Exactly, exactly. But you, you are still making a decision, you know, when, when you, you, not, you don't decide because you are deciding to stay. You're deciding to continue uh, whatever it is that's not good for you or is causing you unhappiness. Definitely the, th that understanding of my skills and what it means and how can I redeploy that into a different direction that I don't have to really flush down what I know down the toilet. That's usually a really hard stage for people to get over because, as I said, it's, it's really hard to observe what you really did and how you did it and what made you different and what else are you interested in? What else are you deeply interested in that you could use these skills for and reimagine different outcomes or different causes that you may want your skills to contribute towards? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was just looking at your website and I saw a blog post here that you shared about some self-sabotaging habits that, probably a lot of people make, but I mean, specifically people that are in, in this boat where they're looking to start a business. And there you mentioned procrastination, comparison, and perfectionism. Mm. And I, I, I very much identify with all three of these and uh, I can, I can easily see myself. Um, if I look back over my, my journey as I started my business and, started it on the side and grew it to full time and things like that. And even still, I see some of it um, creeping around. So can you kind of delve into a little bit more about um, how you've seen each of these and maybe what we can be able to do to combat it? Because that's probably the most important thing is not just dwell on, oh, this is the problem. Okay, what can we actually do to solve it and move forward? And that is, I think I'm glad you asked this question because usually I, I'll get the question of, you know, how do you start a business? And if people knew that, they would do it. And I'll tell you, they don't. I've, I've, I've done a lot of webinars and a lot of blogs about the step-by-step -step process, you know, to launch mm -hmm. uh, a small business. And why don't people do it, right? That is the, the big question. And I think it's not because they need more information. They, they can find it in this, in the, in the wild, wild west of the internet, right? You'll, you'll be able to find something that can help you do that thing. But the bigger obstacle, I think, is getting out of our own way. That sounds sort of simpler, but I think that is actually a great place to take that reflection because if you understand why you might procrastinate or why you might not, uh, why you might be a perfectionist in making any moves, you know, it's, it's usually not due to lack of information. Is due to a belief system, is due to certain types of narratives, that, right, that you come with. And very likely, you are thinking about the thing to do in a much more bigger bite than you can chew. So I want to just talk about comparison for a quick minute, because this is a, sort of like the, one of the most insidious things that happens for us, because we're in the internet generation now, right? Like, everybody and their dog 
is out there on Instagram, Facebook, whatever is your poison going into doom scrolling about, right? Um, so the internet has caused some amazing things to have happened. I mean, you and I are, are connected and, and you're like across the world, right? We're talking right now. Uh, and it's given a lot of opportunities for all sorts of things, for career change, for location independent work, right? All that stuff's great. And when we're about to make a life change, a lot of times we are scrolling. We are kind of looking for inspiration for, hey, if someone else is doing something that I want to do, then it kind of helps me, helps to prove that maybe I could do it too. And that's great. But it's very quickly also that inspiration can turn into comparison. When we take a look at other people's lives or other people's businesses, I mean, we put our best profile out there, don't we? You know, we're, we're never talking about bad days on Instagram. <laughs> like we're always talking about how mm -hmm. beautiful my life is and how happy I am and how this and that I am. And that can sometimes really cause us to feel, well, then what's wrong with me? Like that person's mm -hmm. somehow launched her business in six months. It seems like a happy camper, but little do they know is that person is still doing a lot of work in the back end and working hard at her work, but, and she's maybe not even making the money she needs to make, but she's not revealing that on her Instagram post. Right. So, and, and that world of the internet has caused a lot of people to kind of doubt themselves because also there's a lot of messaging around, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, Joshua, you know, around the that digital marketing online business world is sort of this sort of like shame game is unless you wake up at four in the morning every day, you know, with a morning routine, and you are creating three startups at the same time. Or if you're doing these things while you're working full time, if you're not side hustling this way and that way, you're a loser. You're not good enough. You don't have the right mindset. You don't have the this and that. You know, and it disregards certain people that do want to start side hustles like moms that may only have an hour a day of that to start something. And they might take double the time, triple the time to launch something compared to some single 25 year old is only responsible for themselves. And so that sort of the standard of success or standard of what find as a, a, a successful entrepreneur is always these messages of like six figures in six months and, you know, all these sorts of unrealistic expectations. But because the messaging is out there and we're just sort of people that absorb that information so easily and take it on, it, it immediately it makes you feel that you're not good enough to pursue that unless you were this savvy or this technically, you know, driven and da 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 da. da. I know it's not going to be a, a, a rocket science answer for this of how to get rid of that comparison game, but we do kind of need to shut out the noise and we have to be conscious about that by actually things like deleting social media for a month or two, not forever, just having a little bit of a detox and thinking about what if I was just left to my own thoughts? <laughs> what would I, what would I feel about myself? What would I feel about what I need to do? If I, it wasn't coming from this outside noise of people. I, I think back in the day, I like, you know, I love the idea of sabbaticals. And when people think of sabbaticals, they think of these big, big sabbaticals, right? You would take a year off and so forth. And that seems really unrealistic to do, but I think sabbaticals have been actually a part of our cultural DNA for such a long time, right? The word sabbatical comes from the word Sabbath, right? Referring to the seventh day of the rest of the week, right? Of creation from the Bible. And other cultures and religions have this as well. In the Muslim culture, there's day of rest, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really that intentional rest to recalibrate, to renew and re-energize, right? So whatever transition or, you know, questions you have for your life, like taking that intentional breaks from our routines do help to re-energize us. And, but it, most importantly, it provides us with new perspective. 
and potentially be more creative in our day to day. But we can't do that if we're we're overloading our minds with all this information that we were seeing scroll through our phone every single day. So we have to parent ourselves in a lot of ways to shut those things off uh, on an on a online level, right, of social media apps, etc. But also in a lot of ways, sometimes is not contributing to particular conversations with physical people that isn't helping you feel better about some life decisions you might be making that is not what they would have done. I certainly got a lot of naysayers and a worried Asian mother that has thought I'm giving up all the things she's worked hard for me to get migrating to Canada, right? And talking to her about my dreams and goals was never making me feel better, you know? And so to me, discerning that noise with her is telling her what she needs to know, but then actually finding a better community, a better people that can help me to not compare myself to what societal expectations are, what my mother's expectations are, and help me believe in this new path that um, I want to take. I really like that. And one thing I was thinking of too, and I think I kind of touched on it a little bit is I've heard this thing to where um, a lot of people, and I, I'm pretty sure I've done this myself too, if I were to be honest, but comparing my beginning to somebody else's middle yes. or somebody else's end. And so we, we see or hear these incredible stories of people like mm. whatever rags or riches or whatever, they start their business and they, they, they get the success. And even if it's taken 20 years to be for them to be able to get to that place, we look at where they're at and we're like, man, there's no way I can get there because look at me. And and we we look at like where they are now after they've already put in all of that. Hard exactly. Work. And yeah, and, and it can stop us just because like, well, I'm never going to get yeah. there. <laughs> and so I'm not going to try or they, or, or they might try right. maybe shady techniques to try to try to shortcut that because they need to get it in six months. Yeah. You know, they'll be studying. Like I always tell my clients, like when they're in the first year of business, but they're looking at, right? These, these great brands, right? That they enjoy and respect, which is excellent because I think sometimes looking at other brands and their values and the way that they conduct themselves can give you clues to actually what's important to you. You know, so if you respect that person, how they do business and how that looks like, that, that is helpful information, right? In a sense is that you're going, well, you know, I, I would like to make sure that my business feels this way too, right? That's awesome. But in a lot of ways, when they start taking on the strategies, right, it's like a 10-year business is doing these things and all these platforms, all these strategies, and I'm trying to take that on as a first-year business, it's kind of like you're a grade one trying to become a grade 10. You know, you, you have to just go through grade one first, right, and graduate mm-hmm. yourself to grade two. And so if we try to take on the strategies of a great, you know, a 10-year business who, by the way, has a team, has more investments involved in that business you know, has a following, has all these things, you're not going to be working on the right thing that's actually going to get you from grade one to grade Mm -hmm. two, which might be smaller efforts and smaller, tinier things, more manual stuff and more understanding about your business and who you want to be in this business, testing things out, right? Finding your voice, like all those things are much more meaningful to do that will help you grow into who you want to become maybe 10 years down the road. But that kind of brings me to that second point of what I I mentioned before was that people taking on too big of a bite and then kind of choking, right? Because they're not taking tiny steps because it, it is hard for us to make changes to begin with. And if we make too big of a jump, we're not designed that way. Most people aren't. I'm going to jump off a cliff and hope the parachute Mm -hmm. opens kind of people. 
There's some unicorns out there there that people just sort of like bang out stuff and they just sort of make it happen. But majority of people have other things that are important to them in their lives, like their family, and they still need to feed themselves with their job and things that they're doing that aren't, they can't do it full time if they have all these other priorities. But I think the idea of embracing movements versus goals has been sort of one of the most important things that I've had to learn myself as a, high, as a recovering perfectionist and, and certainly a high achiever. And why I'm saying I'm talking about movements versus goals, because movements to me are tiny goals that you can control. Yeah. You can control a movement, you can, but you can't control the goal. You can't control the outcome. The outcome is I want to make a six-figure business and replace my income. You can't control that. It is based on micro-movements that are happening incrementally through time that then you get the bonus round of making a good living, getting what you want for your lifestyle choices, et cetera, et cetera. You can't just go from zero to 10. So for example, if you say, I want to be a best-selling writer, I want to write a best-selling novel, and you're waiting on the day that you come up with the best story idea or that you take the, the 20th writing class that you think would let you master your craft. Mm -hmm. And then I'll start to be a best-selling writer. That's how we think, right? We have to do all these things and then I'll be X and Y. But to me, that's the goal, right? The goal is I want to be a best-selling writer and have a best-selling novel. But the movement is embracing the habits of a writer mm -hmm. now. Write, write short stories. Who cares if they turn into a book or not? Start writing and being the vicinity of that craft. Take on the habits of writing, right? What do, what do writers do potentially every day? Maybe write 500 to 1,000 words consistently. doesn't matter if it's a, it's a crappy first draft. You just have to keep writing. And then that's the only way with those movements is when maybe that moment will happen where a great story idea comes to you. I think if we do focus on movements versus goals, it gives us there's less pressure and we can control that and we can control micro things that gives us small wins more often. And I think small wins are quite important for self-motivation because if we're waiting for the end goal to activate and then we feel proud of ourselves and then we, we celebrate, then we'll never sort of get ourselves there. And that resilience and the momentum to get there is going to be quite slim. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about Screw the Cubicle and what people can be able to expect when they go there. Yeah, I think Screw the Cubicle is sort of a great hub for people going through kind of different stages of transition and the change to in independent work and different lifestyle choices. When you go into screwthecubicle.com, right on the front page, there are some resources that I think can be quite helpful for people that are kind of asking about what's next. And so I have a, a great masterclass called Reinvent Yourself, how to live out your personal vision for a meaningful life and career, which is a great start for people who are in this contemplation zone of wondering what is next. Like I know, as you said, right, you have a nagging feeling something isn't right, but you're not quite sure what to do about it, what it is and, and, and what am I working towards? That's sort of a really great resource to start with. But then there's also resources that once you do make that personal decision, which is, you know, on your time and on your set of standards or set of conditions of what lets you be safe to make that leap. And you're considering self-employment, you're considering a small business, you're considering how do I turn my skills, my existing skills into a much more meaningful direction? What can I do if I was to replace my income? Then there are also other resources that you can upgrade yourself to there. 
So a, a big thing that I do every year, you know, my signature program is called the 90 day launch, which uh, is where I help people actually figure out the right business to start. Like what is that right business that encompasses that sweet spot of my, my skills or my mastery, my deep interests and the impact that I really want to make in my work. And so a big part of my job is to, my clients sort of call me like the skill spotter. Um, I'm not a traditional career coach. A lot of what I do is really listen and observe the stories and the experiences that you already have and find patterns and the thread that kind of binds particular themes together. And it also, I have a sort of knack for understanding what you've done and, and how that can evolve into Sometimes actually you might remain in this in the same industry, but you do something different within it, perhaps. Uh, or sometimes extract an experience you disregarded that isn't actually on your resume at all. <laughs> it's actually something that you've managed to achieve and be really good at in real life that you've never been paid to do, but actually you have in a lot of ways credibility to do it. And so these sorts of conversations, this sort of analysis is what we start with. And then once we understand the right business that's right for right now for you to start because they'll never be the perfect idea. There'll be a, an idea that's perfect for now. I help them to start that without overcomplication, without overthinking. I don't use some of these sort of digital marketing tactics that everyone thinks they have to take on just to be a successful business owner. And what we do is instead be very intentional about how we want to design this business for you, that's going to be meaningful for you. That's going to be designed from your strengths, your values, and your personality. So you're not taking on any cookie cutter approach. We're really kind of really building brick by brick, the foundations of your, your house, if you will, so that everything that you end up doing, whether it's what you're offering, how you charge, how you work with clients, how you market and promote yourself is really going to feel in your genius zone rather than a concept that you're taking on and feeling kind of sleazy about it. And then you just don't end up showing up anyway for mm -hmm. your business. So yeah. So if anyone's kind of going through that career transition, there'll be a resource there for you. And if anyone's sort of going, well, I've been thinking about a business for many years and I really need to just get started now. Uh, and maybe this time, the time we're living in today is causing us to make those changes faster than we, than we anticipated. There's going to be some trainings and information there for you as well. Well, perfect. I appreciate that. And I will definitely make sure to have links to that in the show notes as well, in case someone's not able to uh, do that because they're on the go or something like that while they're listening. And so I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was such a wonderful conversation.